0: Lucas Tigers and Bronze is brought to you by Hybrid Grading Approach. HGA is revolutionizing the industry by implementing software that will allow them to scan, analyze, and grade cards without subjectivity. This allows for consistent and unbiased grading. They have an easy submission process and best-in-class customer service. Their pricing model is simple. Pay by the day, not by the value of the card. And when they say 10 business days, they mean 10 business days.
1: Good morning. Good morning, ladies and gentlemen of Luca Nation. You guys know uh, that before Cage, you know, kicks back a two-liter soda, the energy isn't flowing, but this is going to be a different type of episode, and I'll tell you why. Uh, We're recording this in the morning, and most of the times, you know, we're recording mid or later in the day, but we have a dear, dear friend, and and truthfully now I I could call this man uh, one of my mentors in the hobby. He's uh, someone who's incredibly... Incredibly kind, incredibly patient. He's uh, someone who's just very considerate and able to share a ton of information because he's been in the hobby for 20 years and we've had him on before. And his name is Eric Myers. I have no doubt that you guys know him. Hey, Oli Hustle. I practiced that all night just so I could pronounce it properly now. Uh, but Eric uh, Eric has gone through some big stuff. He moved to South Korea with the family for a few years. He's working with PWCC. He's brokering six, seven, maybe even soon, eight-figure deals in the hobby. And uh, we're going to get a scoop on a lot of things that are going on uh, in the hobby the last six months and what he sees for the future. And we'll talk a little bit about the national as well. Uh, I'm excited because we get to bring Eric back on it. He's a wealth of knowledge. So, Eric, I appreciate you taking the time. I hope the move to South Korea went well. I know moving is always uh, has its challenges, but it also has new opportunities and new experiences. So I'm curious to hear uh, how's everything been? How's the move to South Korea?
2: It was definitely an endeavor. It was definitely something new. Living in Hawaii going from Texas to Hawaii was a daunting task, to say the least, but definitely picking up everything and going to an, an entirely different continent to South Korea was uh, it, was, uh, it had its litany of obstacles but yet nevertheless in here. I think the most difficult thing now is uh, being in quarantine for two weeks. And roughly day nine into the quarantine, so I've got a few more days left. I can leave the house a little bit or the, 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 the barracks in which I reside for the next few days. But it, it's been interesting. It's been interesting. I'm looking forward to seeing the collectors and the collectible industry. Uh, more for more than just sports, you know, non-sports. You go Pokemon, Magic: The Gathering, um, just even F one. I mean, that's considered a sport, though. Just seeing how the market evolves, moves, and fluctuates in other countries, and other continents, and other cultures, how they embrace it. Now, I can't wait to go see some of the the baseball games here in South Korea as well.
0: Korean Baseball League got me through a lot of the, a lot of the a lot of COVID in the beginning of there. You know, it wasn't exactly the same. But, yeah, man, I watched Korean baseball games when there was no American baseball. We I mean, had to cut up at, like, 2 in the morning, which, by the way, Andrew starts off. as a morning episode. What time is it where you are?
2: I'm in your future. It is 10.30 <laughs> tomorrow. <you know? laughs> well, thank you. It's Marty <laughs> yeah, McFly.
0: It, it, Marty McFly yeah. here for an episode, folks. I love it.
1: Can, can you tell me, do, does LeBron win another game in this playoffs? <laughs>
2: I don't, I don't I mean, do you think it's show well, you're in the future? It? I don't think
0: so. <laughs> it's no. tomorrow. He already has, he already has the headlines. LeBron cannot I, do it. Himself.
2: No, to be completely honest, Andrew, um, he's already walked off the court with a loss and he walked off five minutes early. So.
1: Oh, I like. I like the way this is starting out. He so, did.
2: He definitely did.
3: He did. But,
0: but Spike Lee left. Did you see Spike Lee left last night early too? And then he came back. Yeah, (laughs) because the Knicks started scoring in the fourth quarter and then he came back (laughs) on the court. Yeah, I was like, oh, you you don't want to miss that comeback. You know, down by 11
2: now, (laughs) you know, you never know with with a a minute left. You don't want to miss the failed comeback. So, what do you think about that? What do you think about Trey Young stepping up and and handing the Knicks the loss? I really was thinking the Knicks were going to win, they didn't pull it off. Kudos to Trey Young. I mean, I think I wasn't seeing it. I'm going to admit it, I was wrong. Uh, I think that's a shocker. I'm looking forward to this. I do think, and I called it, I'm not saying called because that didn't happen yet. My call was back in March. I picked Nets in five. Technically, I picked Nets in three, but Vegas wouldn't give me (laughs) Nets (laughs) in (laughs) three. I I
0: thought it was going to be
2: that. So here's the thing, right? so i I would shy away
0: from uh, from from gunfire, right? I, I you know when when the when the fire starts to burn, I run away. you know, this is the kind of guy I am. But I know that you two have had your metal tested, right? You've had your metal tested, right? You're a soldier, you know and and andrew has has he has had his iron sharpened by the best, trained under the great Gary V friend v. <laughs> um, you know, and, uh, you know, he's worked in the Bitcoin market. He's worked, uh, he's worked a crypto desk boy, boy. in wall street. I mean, this guy, me, I worked on wall street too. I had a hot dog stand. So, but here's the fun thing, right? Some people, some people, when the lights are bright, they shine brighter themselves. And some people, when the lights are bright, they go run and hide like a groundhog seeing a shadow. And that was Julius Randall. Julius Randall's the groundhog now, in in my opinion. And that was the huge Thing in this because if it's not him all year, he's carried that team on his back, and you know, the other people have been role players, you name it. And you know, I love Tibbs, and he had to do what he had to do, right? But you know, after game one of that, to say, All right, you know what, I got to insert. Derek Rose, who's 187 years old and has always <laughs> been like a six man, he's gonna be the offense, he's gonna be the spark plug, he's gonna be the starter, and just you know, look, for, for for moments, for flashes, IQ showed up and did something. Derek Rose showed up and did something, but what the Knicks showed you was one, Julius Randle's a groundhog. And two, what Andrew talks about year over year now, because we did the bubble and we did this, team play is what will get you through the playoffs, playing like a team, having different role players play their role. Everyone will talk about how great Trey Young was and all the back and forth, but talk about the series that that, that Clint Capella had.
2: You know yeah, what I mean, double-double double machine.
0: I think he had 14-15 last night and even when he wasn't getting blocks, talk about just manning the paint and and you know and and blocking shots, altering shots, you name it. The Knicks didn't have anybody with a presence like that in the paint and it's a huge difference. I give Trey Young a lot of credit. I you know, it's it's great to see. I will give a personal real-world um, card analysis here. In the beginning of the season, I had purchased a whole bunch of Trey Young silver prisms. Um, and I, I bought them probably, you know, less than a thousand dollars each. I had probably six, seven, eight of them, and I sold the vast majority of them in the run-up. I didn't get the near four thousand dollars that they were up to at their highest. Um, that works. I didn't get the near, um, but but you know, I was getting high twos, low threes. You know, I left some meat on the bone for people. I sold one last night. It literally ended like as he was killing it, as he was, you know, doing his thing. It literally ended um, while he's advancing and while Philly doesn't look that great. And people might have an idea in their brain that, you know, that they might even advance to the Eastern Conference Finals. And it sold for $1,750. So you tell me what that means. Obviously, the market's gone down, but literally the card sold for less than 50% of what it was selling for before the season. And he had a good season, you know, not the greatest. He had a good statistical season, but now he has he has led his team into the playoffs, and has become a good playoff player and won a playoff series. And it doesn't matter the card is worth less than half of what it was at its peak before the season even started.
2: It's a little card lesson there. Yeah, there's a lot to digest with that, right? It's I'm finding that the run up right now um, for the league, and you know, again, it's year two with the. the the parabolic run up and then the ebbs and flows where we're at right now with this, this hyper market that you can call it, whether it's hyper up or hyper down hyper market, I'm finding right now, probably before mid season is, is it seems to be the peak from what we're seeing, what we're actually witnessing. What happens is we all kind of formulate who we perceive is going to be the, the, the top four. And then we run up and grab those players. And then from that moment, it's just a taper off. Even whether, even if the Nets win in the finals or the Lakers or whoever, i don't foresee there being a price spike i feel like the price spike has already happened we run up mid-season and i think and let's get on the deeper psychological aspect i look at it as what's happening is on psychological aspect is the super teams are killing the organic growth of these organically orchestrated teams because you're you're missing the opportunities of the denver nuggets you're missing the philadelphia 76ers you're missing these organic teams even if the Knicks, if they could pull it together right if, had they been able to pull together you're missing these teams growing organically so we all subconsciously the collectors are going "Ah, eh, we pretty much already knew who's going to be in it we run up and buy their cars midseason, and then we kind of sell them and flip them in from the rest of it just kind of flips so it kills i honestly wish that the commissioner would only allow one supermax player per team and then you Another player couldn't make within 10 million of that player, so we can get more parity. Because I'm afraid, not only that, but with these super teams, and then you have multiple supermax players per team. I see, and unless something is done changed, I don't see any of these supermax players in a full 82 game season. I don't see them playing more than 65 games a season anymore. I see them playing 70 percent, 75 percent of the season, missing a quarter or more in the name of rest. Right. And they're not going to, like, well, you look at the Nets together. They played seven games. I was just going to say, 100% right. I mean, you've already seen it
0: this year. Yep.
2: I don't see it changing. I honestly don't see it changing that I think look at all the time that was taken off for LeBron for AD because they know that they only have to be in the top five or six in the playoffs. They can just win enough to do that. They're going to take a lot of time off, which kills our interest as far as fans, viewers, collectors, whatever you want to say. That kills our interest and it also by having supermax teams kills the organic growth of the Nuggets or the 76ers, these other good teams or the Bucks. What
1: do you, what do you guys make of that quote you saw um, Whether one GM and anonymous GM? So you take take it with a grain of salt. He said, you know, this new wave of power that the players have had, that's completely. Um, It's more power. Apologize. There's more power than the players have ever had. And it's been the worst thing that's ever happened for the league. Do you believe that there's some truth? Have you seen that quote at all?
2: Yeah, I mean, I've seen it. It just is what it is. I mean, at the end of the day, whether you agree with it or don't agree with it, they have more power. The league viewership's down. Um, They get to pick and choose what they want to do. And it is what it is. Whether you like the outcome or don't like the outcome, unfortunately, it is what it is. Because they can choose to they can choose to uh, show up to work. I mean, you see some of these players show up; they look stone as heck, man. They look out of it. <laughs> you know, I, they do, and and I get it. I understand. What they used
1: to is. drink and smoke during the halftime in the '80s, though. Cage knows yeah. that all too well. He was he was smoking and drinking. That's it. I was smoking and drinking
2: on my couch. It.
0: I was watching the games and smoking and drinking on my couch at halftime. No, but I'll give you an evidence-based approach. I mean, it is cage lawyer here, right? So the one league that does have the most control over their players, right? So the NBA obviously has, has you know, the players are dictating, they're, they're forcing trades, you name it. Now you can even see in the NFL, um, you know, people are holding out. Forcing trades. It's happened over the last couple of years. You got Julio Jones, who knows what team he's going to be on. He's got three years left on his contract, right? You got Aaron Rodgers saying, you know, let's figure this out. But, but even go to the other end of the spectrum, baseball, Right? baseball is the league where the, the, the teams have the most control over their players. They can even manipulate the length of time they have control of their players, but keeping them in the minors and not calling up an otherwise qualified player to the majors until July, you know, until there's a service time requirement, you name it. So so to that GM, that, that unnamed source GM who says the players have too much control now, I would say, all right, well, look at the league where the ownership and the team has as much control over the players. And look at the product they're putting out. Like that's the least watched sport now. You know what I mean? So it can't be killing it, right? uh, At least I don't think it can, but it can't be killing it because, you know, uh, uh,
2: baseball, no one's watching. At least
0: people are watching basketball. But who knows? We'll see if that changes, Eric, to your point.
2: Yeah, and and it's true. I think a lot of people don't watch baseball, and I'm a huge baseball fan. Love it. I don't like watching it because it just – you're right. There are changes that they put in. I don't feel like they, they know what they're doing plus it's a slow game to watch it is it's a slow game to watch it's not football it's not basketball the pace the pace is definitely drastically different and i think in today's modern society in the, in the what have you done for me like in the last 30 seconds world that we live in i think that's the byproduct of baseball's viewership i am okay with basketball i got in a discussion the other day with people talking about Rodman used to you know show up you know go party till four in the morning show up and play so he was drinking out partying all the time. I said, yeah, the difference is he would show up and play. Yeah. That's the difference. You got people taking off games for their birthday or for whatever, just missing a whole bunch of time. And, and it, it's heartbreaking because I can't, uh, I can't take miss a quarter of my time. I can't call into work one week a month. You know, I, and there's something to be said for just showing up. And uh, I like, I like Barkley's assessment of uh, Anthony Davis as much as I don't want, wish injury upon anybody by any means, but. The economist was Anthony Street Clothes. You know, so yeah, he's Street Clothes.
0: Street clothes. Yeah. So they call him Street
1: Clothes. He got his new... So, so I'm curious, Eric. You know, they last year they said NBA modern market drives all the other cards. You know, it's the bellwether market. But but I've seen something different. I want to hear what you have to say because you grew up on vintage. Is, are these high-end sales? Are these vintage cards? Is that 1914 Babe Ruth, that beautiful, beautiful card that just sold... Is are those the cards that uh, drive the market now? Is it no longer modern NBA? I like Cage's expression on that. Expression well,
0: because that. we spent the whole episode I yesterday, know. him saying how disgusting you thought that yeah. card was, and I said, "Well, the Mona Lisa." A lot of people don't think it's beauty, but this card could potentially be considered the Mona Lisa of sports cards. So, and it's I've just slept funny. on it, and I've
1: decided that I am going to buy the nineteen fourteen paper. I've slept yeah. on it, and I have now come back with a better decision.
2: Yeah, I um, the blue one. The, I, I prefer the blue myself. Uh, I do. Myself. They're both. You know, and honestly, this is the thing. So this is multifaceted. There's there's two aspects of this. And I think it's very important to discuss, especially the second one. The first one is beauty, obviously, is not a holder. To me, it's. I get that it's optically not as beautiful as the 1955 sets, right? I get that. I totally understand that. Or the 33 Gavin. Yeah, totally understand that as well. However, it is my Mona Lisa. In the 1914 Baltimore News. Um, you have to think Babe Ruth was... Nineteen years old, he just come out of the St. Mary's uh, Industrial uh, Industrial School for Boys, um, and I don't know if a lot of people know the backdrop of that that card. Uh, they made they made uh, sets in blue and red, right, for both teams in the Baltimore area. You had the, um, the Baltimore Orioles, right, and then you also had the, the Terrapins. There was another team called the Terrapins, and those were the teams that they made the sets for. Um, but um, the second the pivot to that is what needs to be discussed more and. To answer your question, I'll get to it in just a second. What needs to be discussed more is the value of SGC. I think is way underplayed here, because that card is an SGC holder. And what I try to tell people, a lot of people who are quote unquote new, past twenty four months in the industry, is when you get to that level, uh, there when you get to that level, there's not a big difference between SGC and PSA. And I think that needs to be focused on more, because people slight SGC when they shouldn't. They really shouldn't, because if SGC was really that sub. Um, that third tier or that way that knockdown of it was so much lower, you wouldn't see million dollar cards in them. You wouldn't see 1914 roofs in them. You wouldn't see Honus Wagners in them. You wouldn't see upper end 52 mantles in them. So they are really undervalued here, in my opinion. And I think that that should be something that should be discussed more often. People should be looking for decent SGC vintage cards because they're not a second tier. Even if they do sell for less than PSA, if that was a PSA 3 roof, I don't see it going for more than 5 or 10% more than it sold for now. I mean, you couldn't convince me that it would go for 15 million in a PSA 3 versus 6 million in a SGC three. I don't see it going for more than 6.5 or 7 in PSA, if even anymore. And if that holds to be true, there should be a lot more true to that as you send down the vintage world. But to answer your question, Andrew, I think it is. I think vintage should be looked at a lot more stability, especially when you get uh, in rare items. And if they do happen to be monopolies, fractional shares start to happen. That card ends up being a twenty-five or thirty million dollar card. Maybe those fractional share companies should be a play. You know, you're not going to jump a hundred grand into them, but you know, a few hundred bucks or a few thousand bucks into the shares. I
1: mean, Cage said something funny. I'm going to turn this over to you, Cage. He said. It wouldn't be a big deal if it was in a PSA slab or an SGC slab because SGC is pre-war. It would be a little funny if it was in a BGS slab, though, right? Like BVG.
0: I wouldn't. Uh, there, I would say it's a little, little different. But I, 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 to your point, exactly. Almost with a card like that with it with a, with a pop report a single digits maybe 10 you know out there and you know there's always gonna be a uh, I guess it won't be a black swamp find next time maybe it'll be like a red tree find or it'll be like you know a uh, desert uh, hole find or whatever the next finds gonna be that finds 47 of these in perfectly mint condition that somebody made in their basement. but so um yeah, when they have these single digit cards, really the slab is just it, its authenticity. Right, it's providing that stamp that that this is not. You're not buying a fake. You're not buying something that somebody you know created for you. And condition is almost irrelevant. What's what's the best one of these? What is it? A four, a five? Yeah, four. Right. So a four. So an SGC three versus PSA four. I'm sure there's a difference there. But when you're buying one of these, and you know that you might see one of these come up for sale once a decade. You know, SGC 3 versus PSA 4, you take what's going to become available because you may never – now as these – at this price, get get added into collections, into private collections where people are not going to the, – the person who bought this at a $6 million valuation is not going to flip it in six months. Maybe they sell it in a couple years. Maybe because somebody else has sold one for 10, and they're like, wow, look at a quick money I can make on this. But it's not one of those things where like if you're one of the two people, you say, well, I'm going to pass on this SGC 3. Because I know a PSA will come up in the next golden auction. Nah, that's not the way it works. You know what I mean? So, you know, that's my take on it. And yeah, SGC, you know, for vintage stuff, they are they are legitimate grading. I mean, I've seen top, top cards in SGC holders. You're 100% right. You do see Wagners in those holders. And, you know, they were... The other thing about grading, and we talk about this, is, you know, these companies, they all kind of have their time. Right? You know, and for a while there was BGS and now it's PSA and who knows, you know. SGC does a little better job with their marketing. You know, maybe they maybe they give away two solo cups at the door of their of their grading facility, you know, when somebody comes into the frat party. Um, no.
1: <laughs> no, no good. Anyway. You got a, you <laughs> got a laugh for me. I laughed at those funny. <laughs> <laughs> ah, but so listen, so
0: <clears throat> what's your take on that, Eric? What's your take on the collectible um, what the fractional shares? You think that's, you think it's good. You think it's bad. You think it's a nice way to like, you know, let people get involved in it. You think it's a way to, you know, um, you know, publicize something without publicizing it. I mean, what what's your take on that? There's a million ways to go.
2: Uh, as is with most things in life. I understand that there are negative aspects or there could be, it could be used to a negative in a negative way. Right. I think there are potentials for manipulation in it. That being said, as, is with everything in life. There can be, uh, if, I'm, if I'm looking for the perfect solution, I'll wind up sitting on my hands until my last breath, right? That being said, we need it. We need it in the industry. It is an absolute necessity. The industry needs to evolve in a manner in which that the stock market, now I don't like how the stock market is void of pure emotion and love in regards to there's not an emotional attachment to a Tesla stock, you know, you're really not emotionally attached to it, but the fractional share company is a necessity. It true. I mean, at the truest form, it's a necessity, whether you support Rally, Otis, collectibles, alts, whoever your flavor is, or if you support them all or new ones to come in, it, it absolutely is a necessity because it allows for purchases to be displayed, it allows for them to procure these upper end items. And like you said, for you to purchase them into whether it's you, maybe your, your teenage son, you're teaching them about the, the stock market, but this is a good pivot point to get them into the, the conceptualization of shares. It is absolutely something we need to have happen. We need more of them. We honestly, it would be nice to have 10 or 15 of them. I know it sounds crazy, but also I do like how some of them uh, collectibles, I think they sell, you can sell or trade daily or at least weekly. I think Otis is also the same way. That is beautiful. That's beautiful. I think it, it, it even needs to evolve more to where you can be, at, like, let's hypothetically for the national. I would like to see to where you could trade shares, you know, if I'm buying a card from you and let's say you've got, let's say, I know you, you you got a Jordan, right? And I give you cash and, you know, a hundred grand in shares of another, car. let's say I get you a hundred grand in that Babe Ruth, you, you know, because they're only selling 1%, only so many mm-hmm. people get them. What yep. if you want part of that 1%, but you got a Jordan and, you know, you're not really looking to sell, but I trade you all my shares and some cash for your Jordan. You know, might do it. It might get the you know, might get the trigger pulled. I think it's something we absolutely need to have. It's a discussion that needs to be talked about more often. So I'll
0: try to do this every time. I, I put my hand up and I say, here's the clippable piece for this episode, right? Here's the clippable, my clippable one. I'm I'm talking to Ezra, talking to our bar, Rob from from Rally, who was on. I'm talking about our guys who were on. Otis. Hey, Otis. I haven't had Otis on yet, but you know, bring Otis over here. Otis is one of my favorite you know Kanye Jay-Z collaborations. So we'll have you on. We'll talk about that. So um, here's the point. You ready for this one? I will buy into the next fractional share offering that not only has an awesome card being offered to somebody, but to the people like me who don't get to hold the card but get a fraction of a percentage. Let's use this Ruth, for example, right? If collectible went out, collectible, listen, right? You're gonna sell 1% at a, what was it, 60,000 valuation? So there's maximum 20,000 shares that are gonna be out there, okay? They should serial number 20,000 NFTs. And everybody who buys a piece, one of the 20,000 shares, gets serial number one through twenty thousand. It will cost very little for them to do it. They could do it on open seas, do it wherever it is. And everyone who buys a piece of the share of the card should get a an NFT version of that card, serial numbered. And that's like their stock certificate. All right. And then in addition to saying I own a piece, a share of this, they're also getting this additionally tradable thing that's got you know some utility it's it's their stock certificates they can show hey by the way look i'm not i'm an owner it's one thing to say at, at at the national or wherever else i got a i got a piece of that baltimore news uh ruth it's another thing to hold their phone out and say look at this here's my nft here's my token of that card the the, the one that does that and combines this fractional share with this new type of token, this new type of, of cool asset that's out there, now you're adding on some tradability. I don't know how it'll work with the regulations, but, I mean, if people issue stock certificates,
2: I don't see why you can't do this.
1: I can tell Eric likes your
2: idea. Yeah. Dude. I, I like that thinking outside of the box, man. That's that's insane. It is, Cage. That's on another I like Again, I don't know that... You know, involved, the logistics, the you know, software logistics of making that happen. But just conceptually, when you think about it, whew, yeah, And I'm, again, I'm, I'm, I've been hesitant in the NFT thing. I understand it. It's just maybe not for me. But if you're trying to get people like me, who NFTs just aren't for, into the NFT market, that's how you do it. That's, that's, that's right. You know, like I saw Topps um, was going to do an NFT. My Gettysburg address, my third favorite player of all time is Lou Gehrig. My Gettysburg Address speech, and most people never know this about me, other than my close family, and I listen to it on a regular basis, is Lou Gehrig's speech, is Luckiest Man's speech. I pretty much haven't memorized I have it for over 20 years. Uh, and is going to release an NFT about that. And when I heard about that, part of me was like, no. But then a part of me was like, I kind of want it. You know, yeah, I, you know, I kind of, and that it's, once you start thinking outside the box like that, my fear with the Luke Gehrig thing is that they'll remove it off YouTube to where the only way you'll be able to watch it is if you own an NFT. That would be soul crushing, but I think the aspect of fractional share companies um, unifying it with NFT platform oh, that's game changing. Especially you don't have to look for every card, right? These big whale cards, you know, fifty two tops, you know, the nineteen sixteen Ruth, nineteen fourteen Ruth, and I'm sure there's other ones. Or you know, maybe a fractional share company wins the PSA nine Gowdy Fractionalized part of that, and also attached an NFT. That's anyway, uh,
0: that. Andrew, that's the one I mentioned yesterday when we talk about oh, cards. I, I said, I said, look, that wouldn't be the one I went after. that one See? I went after would be the yellow, the fifty-three mint nine from nineteen
2: thirty-three. Yep, hundred percent. I caught it beauty. Yeah, Eric. Let probably, me ask.
1: Yeah,
2: yeah no, go, go, ahead. go ahead. Go ahead. I was going to say Cage might buy shares, but if they attach an NFT. He would have an alarm set for that puppy. That's right. I will. I'll buy multiple. (laughs) Yeah. There's a difference between, you know, I'm thinking about it. And when they, you know, you get the email, you're like, I might, you know. But if you attach an NFT to it, then I guarantee you're going to be sitting there, you know, paddling your thumbs, going, man, just waiting to hit that five button. And that's what it's it's just a a cool
0: add on. You know what I mean? It's a cool thing. And it's it's another way to display it, right? I mean, if stocks have stock certificates, not that people, you know, who are investing and flipping have stock certificates, but I mean, like, it's a way to say, like, Part of the problem with, and obviously a Ruth card worth six million dollars doesn't doesn't do this. But like you know, some of these fractional things—they're—they're—they're—they're—they're they're, 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 they're auctioning off their—they're selling fractional shares of 50,000 dollars cards. Which I get—that's a huge, huge thing. But there's a huge market out there that would just buy the card. You know, what I mean? you can't really do that with the six million dollar Ruth. So I get the fractional share for that. Trust me. But I mean, like you know, the smaller ones. Just, I'll just get the card and part of that was always like I need to have the tangible thing. Like instead of me buying a, you know, a, a Ted Williams PSA 8, I'll buy a, a four and I'll have the whole thing for myself instead of owning shares of a small, you know, a, a couple of. But if you if you have that cool other way of like hey, I'm one of the club know look what I got here you know like I got this I got this cool little you know this this virtual version of it showing that I'm an owner of it I got five of them I got eight of them I got you know whatever that it's just a cool little layering on thing that's you know
1: that's the deal Eric so a lot of people have come into the hobby in the last let's say six months to a year and they've kind of got rocked you know they bought into a down market uh they're a little bit discouraged uh there's a lesson to be learned from down cycles and you've been through up and down cycles. You've been in the hobby for, for quite some time. So I want to hear your expertise here. You know, these people that have got crushed, we don't want them to leave the hobby. They're good for the hobby. They're the growth in the hobby is through more demand, more people, more buyers. What do you, what do you say to those people? What do you say is the future? What's the next six months look like uh, for the hobby? Can you talk to them? Yeah,
2: man, I mean, I'm really, if you've been in here for more than a year let's say a year and a half i hope you learned something um, about yourself and i really hope you stayed in long enough to, to garner a passion for this hobby. i saw a meme the other day there's the and james posted it about how things were good there's everybody sitting around the table and eating and then after in the bear market right it's just the collectors just like people like me sitting there at the table and we're alone that's my fear is that the market went through the roof and at the end, I'm going to be left holding the bag of a, of a broken hobby that I've loved for going, you know, 16 years. Right? It's it's, it's part of who I am. Uh, I don't want them to leave. My and I understand why PSA and Beckett raised the rates. I understand why Panini raises the rates. But what happens is people came into the industry because there was an arbitrage there to make money. They got in for the money, right? And I get it. When when these companies and I love them, right? You know, I, I need them too. But when they keep raising the rates, it sucks up all the profit out of these new people that came in the industry. And I'm afraid that they'll leave if there's no money for them to be in it. I want them to be in it because they love it, but I also want them to be in it to make money as well. Um, I think take this opportunity to enjoy the cards that you have, learn about the industry, learn about the sports, like actually learn to love what it is you do. Like people ask me questions all the time. That's why I'm on here. As, as a fountain of knowledge, you know, um, whether it be a history of the 1914, or, or even, you know, the history of, of different types of races in sports. You know, a lot of people aren't even aware that Jackie Robinson wasn't the first African American to break the color bear. Most people don't even know that they just assume he was. Um, learn about maybe who was the first African American to ever play in baseball, stuff to that effect. Uh, take time to actually learn about what it is you put your money into, you know, but how to get them to stay in to make money, diversify. Look at the fractional shares. Look, look, if you want to make money in the industry, right? Learn to put a pause. That's why a lot of people ask me, Eric, you made so much money since you've been in it. Why don't you do this full-time and just do cards and not work? No way. I want to have a full-time job. I don't want to have to be forced to do this for my only sole source of income. And another thing we had, mine and Andrew's experience, a lot of times when I sell, when I personally sell people stuff, I believe in the items so much, I'll offer them a money-back guarantee. If in three to six months, this card hasn't gone up, call me back. I'll buy back to me at full price. You have a zero-risk opportunity to be involved in a lot of the transactions that I deal with. You know, because I've made so much money, I can offer that because I believe in my decisions and I believe in the players. And if I'm wrong, I'll buy that back in a heartbeat, 100%. You know, hang out with people like that. Get to know people like that. Make sure that the people you're talking, that you're around or in a circle, aren't fleecing other people, aren't overcharging other people. Call them out if you see it. It's okay. Because the better the integrity is of the hobby, the longer it lasts. We all want a 3X when we shouldn't. We should all be looking to make 20 or 30%. I
0: love it. I love all of that, especially the subtle shout out to Jimmy Claxton. From the Oakland Oaks. Well done, um, nice done. This guy's a historian, man. That's uh, 1916, man. Um, so what was that? You, I said Jimmy Claxton was actually the person who broke the professional
2: baseball color barrier. No, no, it wasn't. It was uh, William White, um, but he was he was light skinned, so he kind of passed for white. What but year? Him, well, we give Walter White. Walter, Walter White broke, broke the cover. No, his yeah. name was no, his name is William White. What year? But, um, Give me a second, second. Yeah. But, but he was kind of light-skinned, so he could pass for white. However, there was a gentleman by the name of Moses Fleetwood Matt in 1884.
0: 1884? Hold, that
2: hold on. I, I'm not done. I'm not done, right? He played in 1884 for the Toledo Blue Stockings, and he played, ironically, ironically, I believe he played one season, he played 42 games. Jeff Robinson's hmm. number. I believe he played 40. You could fact-check me on this, but his name was... Moses Fleetwood Walker, and Moses Fleetwood Walker, and Moses, I mean. Walker. And so he was the first. He was the first African American who looked African American because William White could pass for white or pass for multicultural, uh, um, but Moses Fleetwood Walker was the first openly he looked African American and was black player, and to break the color barrier. But now he didn't. So career. so the
0: Walker brothers both played for the Toledo team,
2: but that was not in Major League Baseball.
0: Like that was the American Association, right? Major League Baseball, you know, if we're talking about major leagues, we're talking about, you know, like because back then there was a whole bunch of different leagues. Talk about the Oakland Oaks, man. I mean, we're talking about talk about Claxton played only played two yeah. games for the Oakland Oaks, but, but yeah, exactly. I mean, listen, this is a cool story, right? Because everybody just immediately goes to the 48 Leaf Jackie Robinson, but there's, there's, there's a century of history almost, well, half a century of history before that. It's pretty
3: nuts.
2: And it's, yeah. I, it's conversations like this that should be happening more at dinner tables, at the national, at the Dallas show, at, at, you know, Dells, um, a lot of people. So my mother is a hundred percent Hispanic and native American. right? Um, I didn't know when, up until like 10 years ago, into my 30s, I wasn't aware that Ted Williams was half-Mexican. Like, I, w- I didn't even know that. I, like, his mom was full Hispanic, you know, because he came from South uh, California that's where he was born. His mom used to do service work across the border in Mexico a lot of the times. I wasn't even aware of that, you know? And I also wasn't aware that on uh, Ted Williams' Hall of Fame speech, January 25th, 1966, his Hall of Fame speech, uh, uh, he actually became the first a Hall of Fame player on that day of his induction to advocate that Negro League players be allowed into the Hall of Fame, that Ted Williams openly advocated that Negro League players become part of the Hall of Fame, which was huge. I mean, these are things that I think the more people learn about the history, whether it be baseball, football, basketball, as it becomes more emotionally ingrained into you, money, falls where it should be in the hierarchy of the industry and it's second money shouldn't be the focus. It shouldn't be number one it, at best. It should be number two at all times. Um, you know, and I think if we can get it there and get people to stick around and to, uh, to learn for different avenues, but on the aspect of how the market is doing, I got in a discussion with, with Chris, um, Hoj, if you will. it's not his last name, but I got a discussion with Chris the other day and technically speaking, the um the market cap right now is the same as it was a couple months ago however it's more diversified you've got f1 um, a lot more soccer a lot more non-sport or just things that they track it instead of it being parabolic in one sport than a couple others it is kind of flattened out across so, f1 by the
0: way Andrew posted some stuff yesterday in, in response to a card post about tennis and f1 and he got some fun fun comments back we had got a little little heat of stuff everybody likes to come after Andrew. You just got that, you know, that something about your face. I just want to punch him kind of thing
1: going on there, <laughs> right? You know, like that's a good movie.
0: Some of your I just want to punch it, right? So and I think we're gonna set up like the a, internet community uh,
1: agrees with you. In like real gonna, life, I think I'm very lovable. I'm like a teddy bear. S-
0: we're setting up a global debate. That's how you debate. We're gonna set up like it's Andrew against. Uh, we're gonna. We're, we're, I'm not gonna tease it too much, but there's something fun coming, right? Andrew's gonna be debating the tennis F1 card pump and dump kind of stuff against. Mm-hmm. Let's let's call it somebody against who wants like to against the defend Aussies. the you know the F1 stuff and the how it's been a collectible. You know, outside of Andrew's you know, little sphere in Mexico. Can you contextualize
1: it? So someone no, did a TikTok well card, card porn <laughs> posted it. It was like Serena William cards were like $3,000 at the hype. Now they're $300. And the guy throws the card in the trash. And I said, <laughs> and I said, well, actually this is funny because cage has been shouting from the rooftops. When there's a down market, be careful of these ancillary sports because they're the ones that are going to get crushed the hardest. So it actually wasn't even my quote. It was cage's quote. Uh, and I was like, and the guy was like, F1 and tennis are so different. And I'm like, the more I think about it, they have so many similarities. Individual sport, one sponsor. If you pulled 100 people in the world and you'd ask them what's more popular, tennis or F1, I bet 50 would say tennis, 50 would say F1. Yeah, probably. That's probably. Outside of right. Lewis Hamilton, who, who do people really know? Outside of Serena Williams, Rafael Nadal, Roger Federer, do people really know? You know, even the 10th best player in the world do people even know that the number two best women's tennis player in the world so that's the angle i went with but it's, it's going to be fun you brought up f1 twice on the show so what what do you think about f1 and if you want to get into some of those ancillary cards and then guys stay tuned we have a really special treat for the last 15 20 minutes of this episode so stay
2: tuned eric what do you think of f1 cards you know, I think, oh, you asked me, I thought you asked Cage. Yeah, I, I, I agree. I think they could stick around though for a little bit. The, the patch autos, the, the the ones that have, the, the, they check the boxes, if you will, of what we look for. You know, the ticker cards, the patch autos, the quote-unquote, their rookie cards. They, they could definitely stick around. I think that there is more of a ROI potential gain in the F1, but as noted, the crash goes hand-in-hand. You don't get one without the other. Unfortunately, that's just how life works, right? Uh, I do think that things, as in tennis, they could go parabolic. And that was my worry with boxing and UFC. Right? they could they ramp up really high, but they could drop. There needs to be more of a foundation stability. I do think the audience base is there. It's going to take time to let those people um, become more comfortable with them. With the cards in the market, I do think as they get more and more attention, it will uh, take it'll hold take hold better. I do understand. I don't understand. And it's weird is you could debate these as Cage was talking about, right? It's like that. It's time to debate. You could. I'm kind of on the fence on some of these. You could convince me one way or the other. Yeah, you know, I want them to be because I'm selfish, right? Coming from America, I want my big three to be number one. I want hockey to be somewhere like that little stepchild or a little secondary one, you know. Um, that one that's just kind of off the and what there's the four, nobody else. But the truth is, it needs to be more than that. It needs to be globally inclusive to a lot of the other sports. Um, so it's going to take time. I do think they can and sports. And I don't know if
1: Cage saw this, but I think when when it's going to be UFC Prism, Cage might be singing a different tune. Why? Because UFC you love Prism. UFC. But UFC Prism And you out. love Prism. And this is a marriage made in heaven for you. Yeah, but it came a very out of formula.
0: And you know what the thing was? I mean, I can tell you when when I collected UFC cards big, when I collected, you know, I was really into them. And I, I had, you know, one of the top c- collections value wise. There are some real UFC whales. I know a bunch of them still, right? Um, but when I started collecting, I mean, I was buying 20, 30 cases of product when they came out and opening them all myself. Right? that's the kind of stuff I was just ripping like crazy, like you know. I, Did Ian
1: pull heat? Did Ian pull fire?
0: And I mean, Ian wasn't born, so so he didn't pull any. So I went to about in two thousand and eleven. Leaf, you know, you say what you want about their products, right? But UFC was was one of these things where where tops came out in 9 and at the time leaf put out a product in 2010 there just wasn't a lot of of product out there even though leaf wasn't licensed they came out with their second product and their final product was a leaf metal product from 2011 which i loved i absolutely loved it was it was no pack ripping it was boxes so every case came with like i don't know 12 boxes whatever heck it was and each box had already not slabbed it's sort of like a, a precursor to encased but in top loaders it had like i think five or eight top loaded cards and in the order of, you know, best to worst. And the, the the best card was on the bottom. And it was usually like a color card, a 101 or out of five or whatever it was. Uh, they had an international version which had national prides, which they've carried forward, like flag background cards of the fighters from their country and stuff like that, really cool stuff. And when that came out, I opened, I mean, I think they only made like 150 cases total of it. I opened like 38 Of the cases, I opened like (laughs) I opened like like over a quarter of the entire print run of the product. I loved it that much. And I mean, I have one of ones like crazy, you know. Rory McDonald was a huge, you know, rookie at the time. It was his first card, and you know, give up Melendez and the scrap pack with the Diaz brothers and and those guys. I mean, like it was, it was, I opened so much of that stuff. But here's the fun, right? I opened a lot of it, I loved it. I was keeping some for myself, selling some tops you could buy tops boxes some of the, the smaller ones tops like the series 4 from 2011 their moment of truth the boxes was like 40 bucks a box you know you buy a case you buy a case for you know 500 bucks even their high end stuff right where knockout was like the big product that came out it had Leo you know, Rather Rousey in it it had like gear relics it had those cool you see like the triple thread type cards right even those they're 150 a box you know, you buy a case, a twelve box case of those. Actually, they were eight box cases, and you were still under a thousand dollars. So, like Knockout, which was like Uber premium for it, right? I could buy an eight box case for less than what they're being charged now for a Prism box for one box of Prism. And I watched a lot of the box openings. I killed it on the one box I got. I mean, I got a color blast on it, right? I, and of Nagano, I got I got a color blast, and I got you know the, my two autos. Your two autos. One was a Redemption, which is just mind blowing. Right, I'm like, thanks. But at least it was a decent redemption. It was a red auto out of 50 of uh, Whitaker, uh, former champ. And Michael Chandler, red auto, which is a rookie auto. He just lost the title fight. but So I crushed it in my box, and I still was not willing to go and shell out four figures for another single box of prism. So that's the difference, Andrew. And it really is kind of that little fun that I'm talking about there. That's the difference between the hobby today and the hobby the way that it was. Not just UFC, everything, right? So how easy it was for me to get back in. I loved watching the fights. I watched the fights with, you know, with with one or two friends all the time. And I'm like, you know what? I got cards for this. I found out about the cards. found that about, you know, and I'm like, I'm going to dive in. And it didn't break the bank for me to dive in. It didn't, it didn't kill me. You could do it at any level, right? You know, and if you just wanted to buy a box, you buy a box for under $100. That's not there now. You can't get into this hobby. And just test the waters. You can't get into the hobby yeah. and just open a box, you know.
2: That, that is true. We, there has to be a way, and it broke my heart when I found out Panini was raising the prices fifty percent. I feel like there's always there needs to be another solution other than just charging the collector more. There's a big backlog in PSA, charge the collectors more. There's a big backlog in Beckett, charge the collectors more. Oh, people are fighting over product at Target and Walmart, charge the collectors more. it it, it it doesn't affect me. Inevitably in what happens, right? Inevitably what happens, we lose some of the people
0: in, in, in the hobby, it's,
2: right? It's weird that, think about this. There, The problem is there's too much demand. And the solution is, well, we need to just keep, we basically need to force the demand away from us. As opposed to going, okay, what can we do to keep the demand? Let's keep the demand, but yet fix the solution without. Basically, you're, you're handing them the hat Handing them the coat, unlocking your door, and shoving them out of that house, and then when when everybody's forced to leave your house, you are looking around going, "Where did everybody go? What happened? What what happened?" I'm like you just squeezed everybody out of the hobby, trying in in the name of you know the demand. It, the solution for the community thing was really simple, really buy the products online, you know, and they go pick them up at Target or Walmart, right? You charge them a, a you charge them a fee to for like a um uh, a labor fee, a community fee, right? Maybe a dollar, two dollars a box, two bucks a box for the labor that's gonna to have to stand there and hand out the box, right? You get a QR code, they scan your QR code, showing that you've paid for your two or three box maximum per person. You attach it to their driver's license, so one DL can only get X amount of boxes a day. So it automatically loads who, you know, so you can't go out, change your shirt, change your hat, come back in and buy a couple more boxes, right? Because that's what people are doing, right? They go in and buy a couple of boxes, run back, change clothes, go back in, you know, then that's where the chaos and throw. It literally took like, I don't know, a minute for me to think of that. I mean, it's there's so many other solutions other than just take money away from people. And it breaks my heart that that always, it's so sad. You know, it is what it is. Um, it's unfortunate because, um, like you said, Cage, uh, the fun is getting people into the hobby. breaking the Yeah.
0: Well, listen, That's the weird. other part of it is that when the going's good, the going's good, right? And these card companies and grading companies, they can't do anything wrong. Yeah, because the demand is there and everybody's making money, right? But here's where the rubber hits the road. I'd love to hear your take on it and we can bring in Omar. So, so this is where, this is where the, the money's made. This is where long-term success is going to be found by some of these companies, some of these vendors, some of these you know, content creators who have come in the hobby in the last 18 months, 24 months, you name it, right? Because everybody's a genius when everybody's making money. Everybody can pick a card. Everybody can be the right grader. Everybody can do all the stuff. But you know, when you are know, on an upswing, everybody's smiling, right? But when you hit a little bit of rough patch, when it's bumpy, when the water's bumpy, right? You know, or when you're on at that, that downslope, right? <laughs> and you're making picks, and not everything is working. Here's here's the the fun. And I guess what I, what I want to know from you is, you know, if you were what I see for like PSA is, and and some of the other companies, I'll throw it out there. I see snobbery. There's a, a clippable video right there. I see snobbery. I see people who are like, well, I don't need all of this demand. And I'm okay to shed some of the participants in the hobby. I don't need the the people who were just in it for the money. If they were just in it for the money, they're in it for the wrong reasons. I am a gatekeeper of the hobby. I'm the old crusty man in the card show with the binders who's been here forever, and I don't need the kids coming in with their cases full of slabs looking to change the way it's been done for so long. And I think, really, you know, I I use this all the time, and Angel was laughs at me, but I say sodium pentothal. I say, if you pump a couple of these these companies full of that truth serum, right, that sodium pentothal, you give them a little shot of it, right? I think they would tell you that they wouldn't mind siphoning off 20%. And normalizing it and saying, "All right, you know what? We will make more money by charging the eighty percent that's left, a hundred and thirty percent of the current price, and we'll do better. We won't have the backlogs. We'll have less people, and we'll lose that segment of the 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 industry that we didn't really even want anyway because they have for the
2: wrong reasons." What do you think? So what you're saying is, from your perception, and, and it makes a lot of sense. I kind of agree with it, right? Like is So let's get rid of the ones we don't want, but in the process, let's hose the ones over that we want to keep, right? Let's overcharge the people that we want to keep, you know, so that's- Pretty much. Yeah, and it's sad because you're right, because it's people like back to that meme that from, I think I got it from Lameen James, right? About, it's the collectors left it alone at the table at the end. Whenever, when the 20% gets squeezed out, then you have 80% left and all those people like, I'm just tired of, Anyone wants to overcharge me? This company wants to overcharge me. Thankfully, we have SGC sitting off there in the periphery going 30 bucks, 20 day turnaround. Like, I want to throw out some credit right now for SGC, right? I mean, they're offering a 30 day grading service, a 20 day turnaround. Like, I, I don't have a dog in the race, I don't own any SGC cards, but man, I'm really starting to think about it. I don't see any reason why I shouldn't. You know, and that's they're standing by their product, they're not charging 50 bucks or 100 bucks anymore, right? Those are days they're like, Hey, we're going to try to keep it at 30, offer 20 day turnaround. The only thing I would
0: say, right, and I don't have any SGC also, is I would think if I were a grading company, I want to get back to also the
2: people who are going to be left over, and then we'll
0: we'll roll into that. But if I were SGC, I would say we're going to offer that, but I'm going to offer it to the first 10,000 people this week who are able to sign up for it and cap it because what you've seen is – when PSA opens the floodgates and they say, we're going to do this, we're going to have a million you know, group subbers, we're going to have people do it at discount rates, you name it, the, 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 the tsunami that comes in just washes over the shore and they cannot deal with it. The levees break. And you saw when they closed, BGS came out and said, we're going to deal with this, we're going to take it, and BGS now had to close Because they could not deal with the wave crashing through their gates in Texas, right? The Rio Grande just washed up in their facility, right? So now they're closed. SGC is now doubling down. You would think that with PSA closed and Beckett closed, they're already going to get an influx of stuff. And then when they make a promise of we're going to do a 20-day turnaround on a 30-day order, I think they need to limit what they take in because I I would love to predict something. And SGC, I I don't wish anything bad on anybody, but I think you're going to hear in a month. SEC might have to close their doors down or they're not gonna be able to, you know, not gonna be able to meet this demand because people don't understand how much demand there is. And the only way to control that is to limit
2: demand, limit the, the amount you take in by the capacity that you know the, you have. The way you do that, my and then my perception, right, just an outsider, I again I don't work in any of these companies, you allocate um bulk submitters X amount per state, right? And you only take submissions from your bulk submitters. You no longer take Joe Schmo, Eric, you no longer take Eric Myers sending cards in. Yep. You no longer take Cage or Andrew. Yep. We're only taking orders until we get caught up. We're only taking orders from our allocated bulk submitters. Each bulk submitters allocated X amount of cards, and that's it. And I know, for lack of a better term, I hate to say you just pawn off the yep. overflow to your bulk submitters. Yep. You do give them a discounted rate, and they're making enough profits where they then deal with the problem. Correct. Right? I think that's, that's
0: 100% yeah, a great way to do it.
2: Right. I mean, let's, in that way, you want to deal with a few hundred bulk submitters, it, easier on shipping coming in, shipping going out. Each submitter sends X amount of cards, and it at least funnels it down, right? You you're still have cards coming in, you still have cards going out.
0: So, Eric, back to the siphoning off, you know, and these, these companies that just, they'll be okay with 80% of the hobby left. So, here's, here's my question for you, right? Because you are, you are in this, man. You're in this, you're overseas, you're, you know, you're, you're basically on the moon planting a flag, Right, you're 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 claiming the uh, you know Southeast Korea and the Asian markets, and you are gonna now become an expert in them, right? So you know this stuff. You know you know emerging markets. You've seen what's happened over the last you know two years, three years, ten years, twenty years. You know you know the ups and the downs. For the last two years, everybody who had a microphone, a crappy headset like mine, everybody who was able to talk about cards and had more than three people who were not related to them listen, they uttered this phrase. They uttered this phrase to. The 16, 18, 20, 22-year-olds who got back in the hobby in the last 18 to 24 months, every one of them has been told by the geniuses in this hobby to buy what they love. Buy what you love. Buy what you love. Those people are now sitting with stuff they love underwater. Those people have bought the cards they love and are now down money. What would you, as somebody who's been in this for some time, and has seen ups and downs, what would you tell those guys with a specific eye towards having them not escape, having them not run from the hobby with their hair on fire? You know, they now are sitting there with a bunch of, you know, base PSA 10s of, of a player they love, or they're sitting there, even, even people who have bought in in the last couple of months, maybe they're sitting there with Kobe's and LeBron's, they're sitting there with blue chip cards. Put their underwater on them because they have gone down significantly for the last, you know, better part of this year. <clears throat> what do you say to that segment of our hobby that maybe the grading companies and the car manufacturers and the snobs of the world don't care what happens to? How do we keep them happy? What do we say to them? How do we keep them here?
2: I'm open to discussion for that, Cage. I and mean, that's a deep question. That is, it's hard to answer that in one conversation. Because I know, I'm sure there's people that bought LeBron combs at 40 grand, and they're now at 20. Um, I think I say, I'd say not... we.
1: I say Panini and Beckett and uh, PSA stimulus, <laughs> stimulus payment. Whatever <laughs> people stimu- man, want. Send them a
0: stimulus. Stimulus.
1: checks. checks, so, everybody.
0: So
3: would it I be think... fair
0: to say, given your experience mm-hmm. in the hobby, would it be fair to say that you know, right now, we're in a downswing? But yeah. just as every time we have an upswing, there's a pullback, and it's unfair to, you know, think about these, you know, it's not straight to the moon. It's, these are cards, yeah. not Dogecoin. I, I mean, right. relatively,
2: <laughs> relatively speaking, statistically speaking, odds <laughs> are it's going to go back up, yep. right? But I can't guarantee that. And I'm always I try, I try to be very choice with my words as much mm-hmm. as possible, so I can't guarantee that you'll even break even in the next 12 months. Uh, but statistically speaking, you probably will in the next 18 to 36 months. You'll break even and make money back. Yeah, um, this I, this segment,
0: for, right? It has been a steady increase as an asset. This class of asset, the right asset. Well,
2: for, for for honestly, for going on sixteen years, Cage, I've said it can't keep doing this, and I've been wrong every single year. Like literally, even the years when it would dip, and I might not make any money, or maybe make just not as much as I did the year before money. When we went to the next year and the year after, it just like you said, kept going up every year. I'm like. I didn't get here because my parents were rich. My parents don't have any, neither one of my parents have even have a college degree. Like I got here just because year in, year out, it keeps doing this, like slowly, slowly. And sometimes it'll plateau or dip, but then it, like you said, corrects it. Over 16 years, I can't even tell you how many the next multiply I'm up. Well, yeah, I can up over, well over a thousand percent from where I started. You know, well, probably I can, well over that. I mean, I started it with 15 grand you know, I mean, 15, 16 years ago, right? So, I mean, I'm way up. So it just keeps, it over time, it keeps going. Patience is a virtue, you know, be patient, stick to that. Don't panic, man. And, and I think that's part of it when you said, buy what you love, right? Be patient with it. Don't expect that it's always gonna be going up, going up. But when I talk to people, and I, I speak more so on the relationships and the fairness of the transaction, then I do the monetary growth in the transaction. It's because of I've lived through dips, Cage. That's I've right. That's right. I, I, if if I understand that the LeBron tops Chrome or Kobe tops Chrome refractor, you know, with some greening or a little bit of greening, whatever it might've went from 50,000 to 100,000 to That doesn't mean that you sell the next one for 200, because it, it could go way up or I want, my, I want my six months interest now for what it could be. Tomorrow. Exactly. No, you do not do that because it, because there are pullbacks, and so the person in front of you that's somebody's wife, that's somebody's husband, that's mm-hmm. somebody's father, that's somebody's son, that is a human being. And like you said, you don't want to be the person who left up. I'm grateful. You're, you're, you're 100%
0: married. right. 100% right.
2: If I, I don't want to be remembered for somebody who had Kobe's, who um, knew a lot about vintage, or who who has worked for the companies I work for, or done what I've done. If I want to be remembered for anything in this industry, it's because. I, when I conducted business transactions, I treated people fair. Yep. And if I can be remembered for anything, that's the only thing I want to be treated. I love for. it.
0: It's a good place to. Uh, it's a good place to break and bring somebody in. Give me thirty yeah. seconds. So, okay.
2: Perfect.
1: So I'm going to bring in uh, Omar. Omar is the founder of One of One of One Memorabilia. He was uh, introduced to us by Mr. Eric Myers. What's up, Omar? Can you hear me? Okay. Yeah, I can hear you. Can you hear me? I can. So so. this is how I understand it. So I have a good friend, okay? He scored a game-winning goal in high school, took his cleat off, and ran around the stadium kissing it. Okay, Let's say his parents caught that moment, okay? And they wanted to get – they wanted to remember it. They could have taken a photo of my friend and sent that cleat in. And you would have made, you know, maybe a one-of-one one or a one-of-five card to remember that moment. Is, is that – am I thinking about your business the right way? Correct.
3: So, what we do is, yeah, so what we do is we make custom made memorabilia cards. So, the whole objective is to make them as personal as possible, if that makes any sense. So, it, this could be, example, while you guys were talking, I just made this card right here. So, that's a whole run ball that
1: can you show it a little bit closer? Right there. Oh, that's awesome.
3: And then it has the stats and everything on the back.
1: Little Philadelphia Eagles?
3: Well, it's a little league team that they have down in California. Okay. So, yeah, we just kind of, we design the cards for you guys. You send in your memorabilia material or we can provide one. And then we put it all together and we ship it out to you guys wherever you're located. So we can do anything from baseball, ice hockey. I've done gymnastics. We put the actual trampoline into the card um i've done a friend's child's first pair of shoes we did added a video to the back of the card with the qr code where he had his first footsteps um this is my little boy's birth bracelet and then oh, cool. qr code on the back and a little message to my wife
1: omar t- tell me so uh you know Eric, just maybe 30 minutes ago, he said, you know, I wish um, I wish we would get back in the hobby to not just worrying about money. I mean, money is important, but doing things for 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 the right reasons. This to me is the most evident (laughs) epitome of that. Talk to me how you started this business. What was the urge? What was the need? Why did you want to start uh, one of one memorabilia? It's my passion.
3: Like this is I love. Cards. I love the the whole thing about it. I love how it brings back childhood memories. I love how you're as close as you can get to a player. If it's Wayne Gretzky, Michael Jordan, Kobe Bryant, LeBron James, whoever it is, like it's a big part of my life and who I am. Um, for me, you know, these cards are just not they're just not typical trading cards. They're not your normal trading cards. They're actually, they motivate, they inspire these kids. They like, some of them like, you see their faces and their reactions, like completely priceless. Like if I had that growing up as a child and had my own personal card, like, man, like I'd be over the moon. And the thing is, it's like, I would probably look at it right now and be like, Oh, I remember that moment. So it's just like enhancing memories and stuff too. So it's keeping the hobby alive as well, as well with the younger generation. I think that's really important. Like we need to, like these guys are saying like that was a great podcast or video, um, but it's keeping the hobby, keeping these kids interested in it, you know, Having them to believe in themselves. So there's there's so much to it. Sorry. <laughs>
1: yeah,
2: and I agree. With-
1: oh, sorry, Eric. I was gonna say, uh, no, I love you. I love you sharing that. And it's, 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 it's passion projects are, are, are amazing to hear from. Uh, how did you and Eric meet? I, I think Eric, that's what you were trying to get at.
2: Yeah. So that's how I found Omar. Was that. Honestly, across my Facebook last year, uh, I saw some of his cards, and uh, I was just enthralled. Like, I mean, literally just blown away. I, I saw it instantly. I, I wasn't attracted to it from to become a partner to in order to make money. Like, I was just. I thought about yeah, what Omar said. When I, if I was a kid, when I was twelve years old, swinging the bat, what would that have thought if one of those? If I had one of those with me, you know. And it just it literally it moved me. You know, it's they're like 25 bucks, it's nothing. And a game used jersey um, in there, like card stamped one of one, whether it's a 130 point or 260 point card, the connectivity that it would have made me feel, because back when I was a kid, you just had like a little card, it's like a little really thin card, with a picture on it, maybe your name on the back. It was something, but it wasn't like the iconic looking cards that these are that, that, that offer the community today. And I saw him and I went through and I went to his website and looked at the multitude of different formats he could use, different sports. It'd be tennis, baseball, basketball, football. And then he started doing them for soldiers, um, baby bracelets. And it was just so many different ways, so many different avenues that you could utilize it. I just had to reach out. I had to. And we've talked and communicated ever since. And uh, especially once I moved out here to South Korea, I decided I wanted to partner up with him just because of what Cage had mentioned. It's hard to get connectivity from adult to child in this industry. And this is it. This is a connecting point. And life has blessed me a ton in this industry. And if I can spend the next year or two trying to bring connectivity to the youth, I'd rather spend my time doing that.
1: Omar, what are some cool... uh what are some cool kind of memorabilia or cards that you've made? What are some cool things people have sent into you that, you know, kind of surprised you or interest, you, or you were like, wow, I could have never even thought of a use case for this.
3: The, the baby shoe was really interesting. Um, like, because he, growing up in the hobby or collecting as well too, you're always thinking sports memorabilia. Like you're always thinking a piece of a Jersey or a basketball court, but, a baby shoe like that was like oh that's really cool um like like who would ever think of like putting your child's shoe into a card right because in reality is like let's be honest like a lot of the um, baby stuff like you just put it on the shelf and then that's it it's left and forgotten, right so i thought that was really cool um i don't think it's the memorabilia like what they've said like baseballs are very common hockey sticks uh basketball courts nets it's the reaction It's priceless like when you got 11 year old looking at his own card and just boom just sit back in their chair and just it's, it, that, that is the most rewarding thing like if i'm making a difference like if I'm put on this world for something, that is it. Like, honestly, like, a card so simple, so small is making such a huge impact. Like, it's it's really hard to explain.
2: (laughs) What what do you think about the ones with the soldiers? I think I like the cards for the soldiers, especially if there's fallen soldiers out there and to put a part of the jerseys in there, you know, part of the uniform in, in in there. Yeah, so I think the
3: fallen soldiers, like that's, That is really important because I just, for me, they've done a lot for us, if that makes sense. Like they've done so much for us. Like they basically gave us freedom. It's because they're they're here, they're safe in our own household. So um, I really don't get too much into them because those are really, really personal items for a lot of people, but um, like I've, I've done some really cool ones, like really sentimental nostalgia ones where it's just like, wow, like I can't believe that they're trusting me with this material that this is a family member has literally has passed away and they've mailed it to me and I'm making a card for them. Like it's, it, it, it's, it's mind-boggling sometimes
1: the stuff they send me so guys (laughs) listeners of luca nation here's what i'd like you to do so please go follow one of one mc on instagram you'll be able to see you know there's rugby hockey football baseball all different types of cards and i think uh, this is one of those things that's visual when you see it when you see you know your your little boys your little girls you know like the thread from their their basketball game or uh, whatever it is, the baseball from their, from their little league game. I think when you see the visual representation of what we're talking about, it's super, super valuable. Omar, talk to people, you know, let's say Drake, Drake's son plays little league. Uh, shout out to you, Drake sports in Arkansas. His son hits a walk-off home run. They go, they get that ball. What's the process from that moment to then go ahead and send it into you and get it uh, manufactured, I guess.
3: Yeah. So, you just log on to my website, www.101mc.com. You select your template from your template, you fill out your information and then it'll give you options. If you want to either mail your memorabilia material in or us to provide one in, and then you just go through the check checkout process and then you go from there. And then I try to make it as personal as possible in regards to the service side, like, is I'll keep in contact with you, update you, the process when I'm shipping it, provide you a tracking number, expectation dates of delivery and everything else as well too. I'll provide a proof too. So in regards to the design concepts, like I'll provide a proof, you guys will prove it, then I'll put it into printing and then that's when I assemble everything and then I'll send you the final card and then ship it as well. Am I seeing this right? It's $25 per card? yeah yeah so uh, <laughs> I, I, my goal for the company and this is really like really big like a really big dream and goal is to have to every kid to have a card period like i know it's not possible but that's my dream
1: I'm, imagine if uh babe ruth 1914 card wasn't his true rookie imagine his uh 1905 his mom sent one of these into one one of one mc that's the card i want don't <laughs> laugh man i mean seriously it's funny that this By may natural. actually
0: be something you know i don't know i forget if it was golden or who had it but somebody had this dual sign, mahomes mahomes right where someone got patrick mahomes signature right right on the back of a car of his dad's car, I mean, right? Dad's or something card. like that, right? Yeah. Is on his dad's card, and they had the kids on it in the locker room or something like that. And it just sold at auction, right, Eric? Yeah. yeah and so right. what you're saying, I'm it happy. actually can come, to, especially, you know, if Omar's making these Little League cards of, of the people who are going to be in the Little League World Series are going to be like legitimate players and that kind of stuff like that. You know, you could wind up with the next guy, who, you know, turns into the next big thing, the next Patrick Mahomes, the next Tatis, Omar might have made his real rookie card. So you're 100% right. I mean, no, I know it's a joke, but it's it's already happening. So, yeah, that would be pretty cool. That would be really cool. You know, I mm-hmm. see a different expansion on it, right? I mean, $25 per as it might not be. But, I mean, for a company like me and Andrew, maybe we get 10 VIP business cards. Get a piece of like, you know, Andrew's Kobe jersey that he wears on the episodes, or you know, one of one of one mm-hmm. of the Luca Nation's favorite of my t-shirts. Like today, Andrew, you know, Andrew's texting me uh, and I said, Hey, Andrew, remember when I asked for your opinion?
1: <laughs> no, me neither. So I mean
0: you never know, like these shirts they you know, put them. in. It's easier
1: for Cage to literally rip the shirt over his head than to just stand up. <laughs>
2: That's stand what up. we've got dude, to dude.
0: We this is a Zoom world. I do every one of these episodes, 332 episodes now, with no clothes on below a shirt. So you don't want me to stand up. <laughs> okay? Crazy. Trust me. Just let me show the shirt and do my thing. Okay? Oh, these poor guys, we don't need them to have their breakfast lost this morning. But no, I love it because I would expand it out beyond just the kids' the sports cards. Like, people are now paying more than $25 for their Christmas cards. Seriously, Christmas cards, right? Like where it's special picture with Santa Claus. I got friends that have to book their Santa Claus pictures in April. This way these fancy pictures of the winter wonderland come out and all with with their, I mean, most of them only have one kid. But, but so, but you understand what I'm saying, right? So, so I would love it. My grandfather. Was really good with his hands. He was a super in a building in in uh, Central Park South, right? And he was great. He used to make ornaments for us, you know, like wood carve and the whole nine yards, or you know. And every year we'd get a Christmas ornament for our Christmas tree, and we'd hang them up. And he made it. And when he when he passed, my grandmother tried to keep that that tradition going, and would try to give all four of the grandkids like something of his as an ornament you know what i mean so think about like if she knew about your thing or if the family knew about your thing instead you know we could put something that he made split it up you know something that he painted he was an artist and make a piece of it into a card and that could be your christmas thing that could be a gift for the grandkids every at 25 it's like a bargain forget about it you know what i mean so there's a million different ways to take what you're doing i love it because you know it especially somebody like me i love cards but, you know, I, I mean, it's, it's just a cool way of, of, of keeping people engaged. Like Eric said, you know, that, that love of the hobby, love of the cards, and, you know, just to be able to share things, unique things.
2: There's going yeah, yeah. to be one kid, probably one kid in the near in the future, that is going to send their jersey or their logoman, and there's going to be a one of one logoman autograph. Cause, and he does, so Omar, we do both horizontally and vertical. It's not just horizontal, It's horizontal and vertical cards done. So there's probably going to be a superstar with a uh, his RPA, if you will, his rookie patch auto of man that's going to be out there. It's going to be made in the next couple years for that kid, you know.
3: Yeah, um, th- this is wishful thinking, but I hope this comes for real, like Phil. But I hope in ten to fifteen years from now, a child or someone comes up to me and is like, hey. Um, that card you made of me back then is a big influence. This is why I'm a major league baseball player. It's like, again, wishful thinking, or I'm in the NBA because of your card, right? It's like, it it just inspired me, motivated me. Like, that's That's really, I mean, that's be awesome to like have that come back. Like someone come back to you like after that so long and like, Such a little thing can make such a big difference, right? That's my dream for the company, like, and that's what I want to achieve in the future as well, too.
0: I love it, man. Dreams are a good thing to have. You'll achieve it. And one day, somebody's gonna come to me and they they're gonna tell me they want a professional leading competition because of me. I was the I was the I was the reason behind that. It's you know we all have to have our dreams, but no, I mean in all seriousness, that that would be amazing, and I'm sure it's gonna happen too. Because, I mean, my LCS. There are little cards up of the sons and daughters of the people who buy cards. You know, they go to Little League and they make these. But what's funny is it's legit the same exact Little League baseball card that they've been making since I was in Little League. Like, I still have my brother's. (laughs) you know, with the same white border from 30, 40 years ago, and he's got the bat over his shoulder, and it says in very, like, ho- like I could type it out on my brother P-Touch, what this label looks like on it, and the whole deal, right? And it, they're still making the same exact, like, blurry picture. You know, maybe they've added in a little bit of difference. Like, I saw one with, like, the wood grain, the 87 Tops, hanging yeah. on the wall, too, and I was like, alright, at least they're mixing it up a little bit, you know? Like, the lasers, when they added the lasers in, and the school pictures, you know, yeah. in the 80s and early 90s, but yours is legit, man, so I mean, I love it. I love it. So, yeah. I mean, it, it. I mean, if I'm allowed to speak frankly, you got a lot of heartstrings here. You're pulling on the heartstrings. People will spend. The only thing people will spend more money on than with their kids is their animals. That's what I've learned. People love their dogs more than their kids. So maybe that's the next thing. Maybe you should make some exquisite style autos
3: for their pets. Because trust me,
0: I put mean, their a favorite power. chew toy. Forget about it, man. People
3: love their dogs. So, my first order <laughs> from United States was actually, um, he sent me his dog's dog tag, and we did a card with his dog on it. So, am um, telling you, I know, man. People spend right. money you'd, on their dogs. People you'd do be so. surprised to the inquiries and requests I get. Like, some of them are just like like wow like where did you come up with this idea let's do it like this is amazing all right so used
0: to say for the national Enquirer, inquiring minds want to know luca nation wants to know do not betray the confidence and trust of any of your people but and without telling us give us that crazy one tell us one crazy one give us an example tell us one crazy thing you had to make and keep it like pg because i'm sure you get some i mean you're working with eric i'm sure you get some crazy requests okay so <laughs> <laughs>
3: um a crazy one. So I have to keep it PG, correct? Um, there was one individual who wanted boxing gloves, like the rapping, like the, the street fighting, but he wanted some, well, this is not PG, I'm sorry, but he wanted <laughs> like fake blood on it. Okay.
2: <laughs> yeah, right? that's cool.
3: So, so, and then I think that I'm um, like, there was one really cool one. Like, this one really got to me. It's so um, awesome. to he
1: pulls it out of his pocket and he's like, Do you want this to happen to you? And he puts it back in. Yeah, I right. guess <laughs> so.
0: Um, Tops actually made those. Tail of the tape. Tail of the tape cards and tail of the tape auto was actually the boxer, <clears throat> the fighter tape from under the MMA gloves. They actually put the tape in the cards. Some of them signed. Pretty cool stuff. Got a Randy Couture one back in the day.
3: Next. Oh, really? What else, Omar? Um, one was really cool. Um, they had, um, just recently a coach, he was just diagnosed with cancer and, um, they was just like, Hey, can you just pump out a card for me? Can we make this happen? Within 48 hours? I think they're in Perth in Australia, on the other side of the country. It was like, yeah, let's get it going. And, um, for them, like it was, it was just, I think it was just really cool to just have that. Have them call me and be like, "Hey, can you do this for us? It's a going away gift. This is his last season. Unfortunately, he won't be with us." Um, it's not odd or weird, but I thought that was really cool when they called me up to have me do it. I thought that was just like be part of that. That was really cool. That was really cool.
1: I love it. So, Luke Nation, go do one of one. MC on Instagram. The website is 101 MC you'll take a look. I mean most much of our audience. I mean, we know this cage father, son, you know, Drake is just one example that so many parents in the hobby. So I, I know there's a huge, huge audience for this, Eric, Omar, any, you know, final words before we, we wrap this up, we're going on uh, about an hour 20 here. I know this is a super valuable episode, any final words. What's the roadmap of one of one looking, are you guys adding more designs? Uh any final words before we, we kind of wrap here? Yeah, so
3: every six months are always coming up with new designs, reinventing what's coming out, what's going to be new and fresh. Um, always trying to be creative. Also, we're coming up with a design program as well, too, where you can sit down with your child or yourself and design a card and you can upload the memorabilia material that you want to pick or include in the card. Or if you're gonna mail one to us, you can take a picture and the memorabilia material will come up on the card digitally. So you'll see more or less the finished product and then we'll make everything for you as well too. Um, there's a couple of long-term, um, there's a lot of things down in the pipe, um, but those will come slowly. They're still working on them I'm I'm brand new. <laughs> so they're just, right now it's just getting the quality the quality is there but it's there's always improvement to be done and then our service there's always improvement for service as well too
1: if, if we could support post on our instagram you know do anything like that you know give out a code called lucanation or anything for our customers we're super happy to support we support businesses we believe in uh and we we'd like help if, you know new businesses grow, especially with a business like yours that uh, fills a huge need and tugs at the heartstrings as well. Uh, Eric. You know, I know you've moved to South Korea, but we still love you here in the States, you have a huge fan base here, thank you have a huge, huge fan base gone, but never forgotten. <laughs>
2: <Awesome>. <laughs> you know, thank you, as always, thank you for having me back. I greatly appreciate all that you all do for the industry and that you've done for me. If I had to leave on um, just one note, just you know, be kind, treat each other with respect when you're making transactions. If you happen to do somebody wrong or something throughout the industry, own your mistakes, try to make an amends whenever possible, um, and just always look out for the next guy. Put somebody else's feelings, if if at all possible, put them in front of your own. You know, just try to be
1: He's seen that me thing, bullying me on recent episodes. I bully
0: everybody. I bully everybody. Here's what I wanna know from Eric. We'll have him back on and definitely we're gonna have Omar make some cards for us we'll Luke and Nation. We'll get some Tiger Stripe, we'll get some borders and stuff like that. But but Eric, here's what I wanna know. Ultimately, I'm gonna have you back in a couple months. I wanna know how you react going from Texas barbecue. Like legit Texas barbecue, like the brisket, the ribs, the dry rub, the sauces. It's burning. It's burning. Going to going to like spam and eggs in Hawaii. You know, like, and uh, you know, you're a Howley, so I'm gonna give you like, you know, I'm gonna give you a little, a little fun with the, with the, with the native, right? To, I mean, are you gonna go full kimchi bulgogi? You gonna go like, you know, you know, slices of, of like, 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 like pork belly? I mean, are you gonna go full on? You know, I mean, you, you, you,
2: this probably is what not. I care
0: about. You move different places, yeah. I, no, I care about the food, man. But is there um, a Chick fil A in South Korea? That would be the first <laughs> question I would ask before I, I
2: already asked. No, but they do have. I've already eaten at. They do have a Texas Roadhouse. Been there like four times. Ooh, yeah. <laughs> you know, on military base, we got Texas Roadhouse. <laughs> eaten Texas Roadhouse. I was there for seconds. lunch. I actually, was there for lunch today. So I've been at Texas Roadhouse. But I am probably the next couple of weeks. I'm gonna be in Seoul. I'm gonna post some videos on Instagram. I'm going through Seoul, and if I can find some LCSs there in Seoul, and just kind of just bring them in there. I'm probably gonna take around. Like I'll pick one Kobe Auto that's graded right. Um, something probably with a, a, a mark that that's like a paint pen or something yeah, the back. kobe so,
1: auto like, eric's talking about is a flawless first
2: edition flawless psa no, i'm just gonna auto take auto. a flawless kobe auto around I'm gonna, I'm gonna take i'll take a chronology i'll take a chronology like a minute <laughs> chronology you know something like 30 grand 40 grand i'll take that and i'm gonna start traveling the world with that little kobe auto and mm-hmm. start taking pictures of it it's pictures of it in like cambodia Seoul, you know Tech, you know Whatever China, wherever. that's my thing. Thank you for having us, by the way. Thank you for supporting us. Of course, it,
1: it's uh, it's it's our pleasure. Thank you, guys. Omar, it's, it's nice to you. meet
2: you. Eric, Language. thanks, man.
0: You know, you bring great stuff to the show every single time, man. Just real great insight. Go ahead, Andrew. Yeah, I love hey. you
3: guys. I love what you guys are doing. It's great. I've been watching it religiously. <laughs> it's awesome, amazing stuff, guys.
1: Take one minute and ten seconds to watch. Uh, Eric's favorite speech. It won't disappoint. It's just put into YouTube. Gehrig delivers his famous speech at Yankee Stadium. Worth it. One minute, 10 seconds on YouTube.
0: This episode of Lucas Tigers and Bronze was brought to you by hybrid grading approach. Take it from someone who has personally submitted thousands of cards for grading. HGA slabs just hit different. They're top of the line and color coordinated to match the card itself. The aesthetics are unrivaled in the industry. When paired with the ease of submission and the transparency of the pricing model, HGA stands alone as the best choice for grading your cards. I believe that once you try them out, you will agree. Thanks for listening, Luca Nation. Thank you for spending some time with us on another episode of the Luca's Tigers and Bronze Oh My podcast. Um, Do us a favor and like, subscribe. Eh, You know what? Don't just like and subscribe. Everybody does that. If you like us... Tell your friends, tell your neighbors, tell your enemies, tell everybody. And uh, we hope you got something from spending some time with us today, and we'll see you next time. Thank you.